What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode six. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. I'm Cody Stoffer. I'm Liam Hughes. And we're back at it with our breakdowns of Juco players, specifically this one from Last Chance U. One of the best, well, actually, in my opinion, the best quarterback to ever be on Last Chance U. We're talking about Malik Henry. Originally, well, okay, not I'm not going to say originally, but on Last Chance U, originally from Independence Community College. So we covered his teammate, Rakeem Boyd. So just keep that in mind that he had Rakeem Boyd and a couple other guys to work off of. But here we are. We're going to talk about Malik Henry and we're going to break down his um, community college film, his Juco film. So yeah, so let's, or okay, sorry, let me get it together. So before we go into talking about his strengths, I'm going to give a little bit of the backstory. So Malik Henry might be the highest profiled, I guess, just player to ever be on last chance he was one of the top quarterbacks to come out of high school i want to say he was the number one ranked quarterback at least for a lot of schools he was the number one ranked quarterback but you know out of high school he was great he was a four-star guy uh he was listed as a dual threat quarterback which is really interesting he played for a lot of really good schools um in high school it was it was kind of interesting to see how that went he played for the famous i well okay may, okay let me backtrack a little bit he was supposed to play for the famous img academy in their early days of their football program but and this is just uh <clears throat> this is just an example of things to come in malik henry's young career but you know it didn't work out with him and the coaching staff at img academy so he transferred to some other private school in california but he ended up committing to florida state with Jimbo Fisher, he was slated to be the next guy up after Jameis Winston, and he basically left the team because of some things that happened between him and Jimbo Fisher. Again, an example of things to come in the future. Uh, just, you know, he just wasn't agreeing with the coach, so he decided to go, he, in quotation marks, decided to go to Independence Community College so that he could get some better offers and go to a different school. So, Malik Henry, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation out of the class of 2016. Let's talk about him. So, Cody, Liam, what are some strengths that y'all got after watching his Indy Community College film of the 6'2", 176-pound quarterback? Liam, you mind if I... Take the reins on this one. Take the lead. Sure, man. Go ahead. So the first thing that jumped out to me immediately with Malik Henry was his pocket awareness and pocket movement. He tried to, you know, make a throw more than he ever tried to run. You know, like a lot of other quarterbacks, like Chad Kelly, who we dissected before, he was way quicker to tuck and run versus Malik Henry, who... He was able to shift around in the pocket really well. And I was really surprised at just like how aware he was. If the pressure was coming from the back, he knew to step up. If the pressure was coming from the left, he knew to step right and then step back to the left. So like his pocket awareness, you just really don't see that, especially on like the Juco level. And that's that's professional level pocket movement in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't even see that a lot on the division one level, the kind of pocket movement that Malik Henry had. Yes. 
In addition to that, he was also super great at keeping his eyes downfield. You know, he, if he was flushed out of the pocket to the right, he didn't look at the defenders in front of him. He kept looking at his receivers downfield and he made a lot of plays that other quarterbacks, I just don't think can make, you know, keeping your eyes downfield. Once again, that's something that even professionals struggle to do, especially like younger guys who you know, feel safer running if the defense is more spread out. But Malik Henry is able to make bigger plays and get the ball to his teammates more often because he keeps his eyes downfield. And those are both, those are both like very pro level things to me that stood, stood out on this Juco film. And last but certainly not least, his ball placement. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. His ball placement is insane. Specifically, like the out routes that he's throwing across his body, the yes. ball's right where it needs to be. And it's over a defender a lot of the time. It's in between two defenders. Like, it's insane how great his ball placement is. He has a pretty good deep ball, and he knows where to put the ball so that only his receiver can go and get it on these deep passes, you know? And he just knows who he's throwing to really well. And I think that that takes a lot of, you know, he's very mentally sharp as far as the routes that he's throwing when he's throwing and his i i want to say his football iq his football brain power is like on a pro level after watching this juco film which is saying quite a bit i feel like but definitely one of the smartest quarterbacks i've probably ever watched film on yeah absolutely what about you liam yeah i think the guy's got a lot of confidence in his abilities i mean he's never afraid to make a throw into coverage he's never afraid to try and put a ball where his receiver can make a play on it and he he makes the plays he make he puts the ball where his receiver can make the play on it um so it, it's obviously you know whatever whatever mental issues he might have been having i don't think they show up on the field and I think he's got a lot of uh, trust in himself and trust in his teammates on the field. So it's really cool to see, I think. And it, it uh, pays off. And he can tuck and run a little bit, but it's good that it's not his first instinct. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I was kind of surprised that he was listed as a dual threat quarterback because so I have watched this season of Last Chance U. And I mean, he could definitely run a little bit, but man is he disciplined like he just does it yeah. you know and maybe it's because he knows that he kind of has a smaller frame as a quarterback which you know whatever but it's you know that awareness is it's that's next level as cody was saying so yeah um yeah he definitely uh it definitely seems to only really run on like designed run plays so right yeah oh absolutely but when he does run he's great at it yeah, he has some wheels for sure. Or maybe not great, but you know he's very competent. Well, he's right. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Like he could, he could do it. Like he, he's mobile enough, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, sweet. Um, yeah. Honestly, I agree with all the same stuff that y'all said. I mean, look, this dude. There's a reason why he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and his film is pretty undeniable of that. And look, to throw this out there once more, you know, just like when I did with the Rakeem Boyd film, you know, the Jayhawk uh, Juco Conference is easily one of the best 
JUCO conferences in the nation. And that's because none of these teams have caps on their players. So Malik Henry was obviously one of many um, out-of-state guys. But he's going against other dudes who, like corners and secondaries, who are all at a D1 right now. Or I'm pretty sure most of them are at a D1 or something like that right now. You know, so that's that's how good he is. So he was playing against good talent. Um, Cody, you're right. His football IQ is through the roof. You know, you'll, you'll see it a lot in Last Chance U. I'm going to try not to talk too much about what happened in Last Chance U. But, you know, in that show, it was very apparent just how intelligent he is. You know, every concept, every defensive scheme or concept or whatever possible, he already knows where to put the ball. And he knows where to put the ball on whatever play you give him. You know, and, you know, speaking of ball placement, you know, his accuracy, his arm talent is absolutely off the charts. You know, like his his power is great. His accuracy is awesome. You know, he could do it all. And he, honestly, I'm going to, well, we'll get to this in a little bit. But, you know, there are times where he'll throw off platform and he'll still make the throw. Like he'll be on the run and he'll still make the throw because he can you know and it's honestly he has a lot of attributes of of an nfl starter like forget d1 but of an nfl starter you know his talent is is right there you know he's just he's just so talented and you know i mean he basically could do whatever he basically did whatever he wanted to whatever defense was there no matter what the offensive line was doing no matter what maybe some of his receivers was doing he would make it happen and you know confidence with malik henry is never a problem like he always believes that he if if given the chance he will win a game for you and that's it and okay this i'm not going to promise that this is the last last chance you quote on malik henry that i'm going to bring in but i think it's very important that his coach jason brown you know he's someone who's coached a lot of you know good players and he was a quarterback himself and he he also played in the nfl arena league as well so he knows what it takes to go you know to get to that next level but he said about malik henry right now 19 year old malik henry could probably jump into an nfl game and not mess up and i think that's a good you know summary of malik henry's juco film at least the strengths but anyways oh sorry uh one more thing he always throws with great anticipation like yeah. he's always on rhythm when he throws like it's very hard to find a ball that he throws to a receiver where the receiver has to come back or stop a little bit to, you know, make the play, right? And if they do, then it's because there's a safety over or something like that. So, yeah. But yeah, anyways, let's talk weaknesses. What weaknesses did y'all see, if any? And like I said, he is a great talent, so we are going to be nitpicking, but, you know, that's just how these breakdowns go. I'll go ahead and start off. So I, I was looking a lot at his technique in this Juco film. The first thing that caught my eye actually on this film was his release is it's a little weird, honestly. You know, it's it's really diagonal and like he kind of like whips his arm like a lot. And, you know, it's it's not like a release that I've seen really. And it looks a little janky. Um and you could kind of see that in like the the way the ball kind of flies through the air. It's not always like a really tight spiral. It comes out a little wobbly sometimes. So, you know, his his throwing motion could definitely use some work. And I think that also starts at the footwork level. His dropbacks were 
I, I feel like he could focus on them more. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's capable of a more solid dropback, a more fundamentally sound dropback. But his dropbacks are almost kind of lazy. And I feel like he rushes them a little bit. And then I think that carries over into his throwing form at the Juco level. So I think that fundamentally speaking, he has a lot to work on there as far as improving his technique. And that can only make him better, you know? And he's able to compensate with it with a he, he has a good arm you know like he he's just naturally good at throwing the football and b he's able to compensate for it because of his the mental aspects of his game but if you are able to fix those you have a pretty full quarterback you know like a complete quarterback at that level and just on the film um you know in the at the juco level you can get away with making a lot of throws off your back foot but it's definitely not a habit that you want to create and he does that on quite a bit of plays, you know, which is which is fine at the Juco level, but not desirable at the Division One level. Those yeah. were the those were the weaknesses I had. Honestly, not a lot. What about you, uh, Liam? Yeah, um, I mean, watching the Independence. Is that the name of it? I can never remember. Yeah. Yeah, watching the the uh, Independence Community College highlights, it seemed like he. I don't know. I think he trusts his short and middle passes a little bit more than he trusts his deep passes. And again, we're okay. nit- we're nitpicking here, so I'm I'm looking for something, right? Right. Okay. Um, but I think he's uh, he's more willing to go for the for a quick pass to somebody who's open in the in the short and middle game rather than wait for a play to develop super long and give a guy downfield a little bit more time to to make a play um not that that's really a bad thing right but just kind of like a i don't know i think he could afford to wait a little bit longer sometimes mm, okay and so maybe maybe trusting his o-line in those situations where he, he you know, he, he addresses his O-line, he, he's aware of his O-line, and he's like, hey, I, I got an extra second, I can wait, you know? But then maybe the play dissolves in the mid-game, and maybe the guy downfield doesn't make the play. So, um, again, nitpicking. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, what about uh, you, Simon? I mean, yeah. So, I'll have to agree with, I'll have to agree with y'all there. Um, it's not because he's lazy, like that's not it, because he really does value his level of play. So if he's not dominating somebody like mentally, so this isn't a weakness really of Malik Henry, but you know, if he's doing something wrong, like he'll he'll you now he'll fix it, right? Like he'll hold himself accountable. Like he's not lazy, I don't believe so. So there's that. Um, but you're right. The footwork needs to be improved on, especially on those dropbacks. Like, so inconsistent. And honestly, I only really like agree with that just because, you know, like on this level, you could get away with some things, right? But on the next level, I mean, things got to be flawless to truly succeed and go above and beyond, right? Because right now, he could throw in rhythm perfectly fine. Well, okay, not right now, but at the Juco level, he could throw in rhythm perfectly fine. But if you don't fix that footwork on the next level, well, I mean, you know, some of that, some of that anticipation and rhythm will be just a little bit off. So get that right. 
Also, Cody, I know you did say that his throwing motion is a little weird. He is a base. He was a baseball player. So that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah, I could definitely see that now that you say it. That is yeah. that is a pitching throw for sure. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it needs some work. It does. Yeah. And he was a good baseball player. So that's so there you go. So that's why uh, it looks a little janky. Honestly, most baseball playing quarterbacks, unless your name is Kyler Murray, have kind of weird mechanics with that. So, yeah, you know, there you go. Um, but, you know, still, it doesn't affect his arm power because he could still sling it, right? It's just, I mean, obviously we're nitpicking. It's just like we'd like to see him drive the ball a little bit more you know, and be a little bit more disciplined, consistent with it, which he could definitely do. And then the last thing I really have to bring up, at least when it comes to to how he plays on the field, is is if you watch closely, and I mean, they bring this up just briefly in Last Chance You, but if you watch closely, he backs, he shies away from a lot of contact. That's why he's throwing off his back foot. So like he won't, he won't ever step into a throw. You watch carefully, like there's not a ball or barely, there's not a ball where he will step into a throw and then just get obliterated by a lineman, you know? At least he as bad pretty, as it could be. I was about to say, if he's not throwing off his back foot, he's throwing flat-footed. Yes. Yeah. Which is insane that the ball gets to where it needs to go. And it just leaves you to wonder how much better he could do if he wasn't doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And so Liam actually brought up a good point, like, you know, you would like to see more deep throws, but the thing is, you know, you can't throw a deep if you don't have time, you know? And so sometimes, sometimes it's just that extra second or so to like, Hey, know that you're about to take a really vicious licking, but you're about to, you know, uncork this long bomb, you know, but for Malik, he definitely, and this is a, this is, I was looking at high school film as well, but this is something he struggled with forever. No, but he kind of, you could tell, he just doesn't like getting hit, like making contact, you know? Um, I mean, okay. I don't want to sound toxic toxic and be like, oh, he's not tough. Like, he's not a tough football player, you know? But I'm not going to use any more last chance to use stuff, at least for this part. But, you know, he just, you could tell he just doesn't like contact. You know, and so that's kind of a problem because this is football. Like you're gonna have to take just a little bit of contact. So there you go, and that does affect, you know, some of his decision making and, you know, some plays that he could be making. Honestly, also, <laughs> I guess he really can't control this. At least, well, maybe he can, but he has a really small frame. Like this dude is a skinny quarterback. No, not very broad shoulders. Like he looks like he could get injured if you light him up, which is probably why he might be a little, you know, hesitant to take some hits, which is fine. But, you know, I would like to see him not weigh 170 pounds playing quarterback. Uh, Cause there are receivers, there are multiple receivers on his own team that already weigh more than him. So, you know, if he could get up to 180, 190 at the least, I would feel a little bit more comfortable with that, but he is kind of lanky. So there you go. Yeah, definitely. Are we, so you said you're not going to talk too much about, uh, Juco stuff. Are we good to talk about the very little film that we have from him at Nevada? Yes. So let's talk about it. Well, you guys, you guys don't mind me going first. Go for it. Well, I'd say that the, 
his throwing mechanics got better in yeah. the film that I was watching. Granted, it's a pretty long windup still, but his throw yeah. is more over his head rather than diagonal, right? So, I mean, as far as like, that means that his release point is higher, which means balls are less likely to get batted down. And his release looks a lot more like a Drew Brees kind of release, you know, where he brings it up first and then like all the way around, if that makes sense. Uh, it's I'm, I'm doing the motion sitting here in my chair during this recording. But <laughs> unless yeah. you know what I'm talking about, like, I just don't know a better way to s describe it where where he is. He would go like diagonally up and then like diagonally back across, kind of like he's uh, swinging something else, you know, more like baseball, right? Where it's like more diagonal release versus now where he's actually going up and over. And that's way, 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 way better, like miles better, honestly. You could tell it's a little uncomfortable for him, but that's the type of discomfort that he needs to put himself through if he wants to go to the league. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely agree. His footwork got a lot better. Um, and I mean, just his, his play got better. It still looks like he's a little bit more com comfortable uh, throwing on the run than in the pocket, but maybe that's just the just by sheer experience and the number of uh, designed plays and designed boots that he's running. You know what I mean? So, it's not really a critique. And, but, I don't know. He looks good. Looks good. 380 yards. I know it's one game, but, so it's hard to, hard to compare, you know, one game to an entire season or entire career, but he looks good in this one game. True. Mm-hmm. And there's Simon. a reason he only played one game. Oh, sorry, were you going to say something, Cody? I was going to say, what's that reason, Simon? Oh. Okay, so this is the biggest weakness of all for Malik Henry. And I didn't bring it up earlier because we're not really because, you know, it was what it was. On the field, he's fantastic. He could be electric, honestly. Um, but the thing is he can't stay on the field and it's not because he's in any legal trouble. It's not that not because he doesn't have good grades because he is a good student or, you know, as solid a student as you could get, but he has very, how, how should I phrase this? He has very, um, specific needs, I would say. So, to put it lightly, Malik Henry is a control freak. If you couldn't see it in Last Chance U, which, you know, Cody, Liam, y'all will see it. I think that might be the next you know, season we do. If you couldn't see it in Last Chance U, you could see it by how many times he transfers because he didn't get along with a head coach. And we could date this back to high school because this dude has had a... So he played high school. That's four years. Plus uh, three-ish years. So seven years of playing. He's had one, two, three, four. He's had almost four or five transfers in those seven years. I think the, and the two places that he played at for more than one year was kind of for more than one year. 
was Independence Community College. It was one year and like a handful of games. Spoiler alert. And then high school. That's it. The first high school he went to. That's it. Yeah, because he ended up playing at a different high school as well. Couple different high schools. He played at three different ones, technically. So yeah. Oh my. Yeah. So if that doesn't tell you that he likes to have control of the offense, he likes to call plays, he likes people to affirm that he is right. That's it. He's right. Um, then I don't know what else does. Uh, so he has problems with authority for sure. He like I I want to say he can't be coached. There are like his personal trainer coaches him just fine. Maybe it's that like his personal trainer coaches him fine. But when it comes to like mental IQ, strategic aspects of football, like he just doesn't know when to let go. Like in last chance, you y'all will see it. He gets in multiple verbal altercations with not only his position coach, his head coach, because his position coach is kind of a kind of a pushover to say the least. That's the nice way of saying it, at least in that first season. So he's just like, let me think. I'm trying to think of the type of coach that would work well with Malik Henry. Think Tyron Lou, like football, like, you know, kind of a guy that will let somebody else run the show. Like Tyron Lou basically let LeBron call whatever play he want. Let's be honest. You know, like that's the kind of coach that would work well with, Ty- with, <laughs> with Malik Henry. I'm just being fairly honest because Malik Henry is not easy person to work with. Oh, and don't get it twisted, but Malik Henry will throw his teammates under the bus if you fail him. So there are multiple times where he will throw his at, or sorry, where he will yell at his lineman, will where he will berate a receiver or a running back for, you know, maybe not catching the ball or for missing a block or for getting hit, stuff like that. And he's not a good teammate at all. Like, no teammate grades, like. Knowing 2K how you have teammate grades, he would probably have an F for the majority of the games he's played in his entire career. I mean, so, there's holding people accountable, and then there's that. Yeah. No, I mean, he's he's harsh. Now, and, look, and there's a difference because uh, we're going to talk about somebody in RJ Stewart in Last Chance U who has his share of personality problems. But Malik Henry will tell you straight up. Like, he's not going to... And I guess that's one plus, kind of. Like, he won't, like gossip about you like he'll tell you straight up like hey you know like this is how i feel and he won't hide it so there's that also another thing is i don't think malik henry actually loves football that's kind of a big deal and here's why because his dad is a very in my opinion without spoiling it he's a very toxic person he's very manipulative um i hate i hate to be that guy but his dad was out of his life since for a long time between the ages of like I want to say 10 to when he entered high school. And here's why. Because in high school, or sorry, in middle school, he was very successful and he was getting recruited by multiple high schools in California. Multiple private schools. And then all of a sudden, his dad comes back and he's like, hey, you know, let me handle, you know, which high school you go to. And let me handle which college you go to. Like, let's, I'm just going to make this clear. Malik Henry did not decide to go back to Independence Community College. In fact, his dad openly admitted, yeah, you know, like maybe he shouldn't have went back to football so quickly because the thing, one of the reasons why he was so, I guess, damaged from leaving Florida State was because like 
okay and this is this is a lesson to all the young players out there but never read the comments or whatever about articles about you any social media platform because it will bring you down because florida state fans when malik henry transferred or left the program were vicious and unrelenting and basically like just imagine like millions of people bullying you for not wanting to be out of college for not wanting to play a game dude oh, come on bro uh, they did it and it got to malik henry and it got to the point where he just didn't want to play football wanted to play baseball baseball was his first sport but his dad made him quit baseball in middle school in high school so he could focus on football because in his words he said it was more profitable okay that's that 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 shows yeah. a lot of intelligence there yeah so <laughs> and malik henry definitely has a, a tiger dad a dad who's very possessive and doesn't know when to let go so it's kind of like imagine lavar ball like for football so there those are all of the things and i know i just kind of went on a rant but that's the entire history of malik henry and just how he is off the field he's I'm, like i can't like i want to hold him accountable you know but at the same time like he doesn't exactly have a great role model to look up to in his father i will be critical of that because he is a problem so there you go and that's why he didn't last at Indy, didn't last in Nevada, he didn't last at FSU, he didn't last at the two or three high schools he played at, and he probably won't last at whatever school he's going to go to next. But he hasn't been picked up at a school by a school since Nevada released him. So, I don't know. Any reactions to that? I had no idea about his dad. Um, yeah, his but... dad's the worst. That kind of makes that makes a lot of sense now because just reading through everything that was happening, uh, I talked to you a little bit before the show. I was confused. I was like, "What it? What is the problem here?" You know, like I I really don't see it. But you know, right. talking about his control and just like not getting along with the coaches so far. And I mean, we Ben knew that Jimbo Fisher is like, you know, drives players not away a good sometimes. mentor. But, you know, to see it happen multiple times and then to hear you talk about his kind of like shark of a dad, you know, like, you know, that creates a lot of problems. And that's just something that needs to be fixed, honestly. But it's like, but it's hard, but it's hard to fix. You know, it's like impossible. You you can't just like honestly get away from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, No, for sure. But like, honestly, you can't. At this point, you can't fix Malik Henry until you get him away from his father. Like, and and I hate to say, like, make it sound like that and sound like I'm just like fishing for headlines, but I'm being honest. Like, his father is a problem. Like, I feel like Malik Henry feels all this unnecessary pressure too when he plays because he wants to like do what his dad says. So, there you go. Uh, like, like I'm just being honest. I like watching Last Chance You and a bunch of other interviews like it really doesn't feel like he even wants to be playing football like, football kind of just seems like i don't know it just doesn't seem like his interest like even in the show like he was quoted in saying like you know like who would play a game where you get hit over and over again and if you don't go pro then there's nothing of value to get out of it that's what he said about football yeah that's so, very concerning i mean he's not yeah. wrong 
Oh, he's not. But well, he said that, and then he said, "Well, it's just one of those things you gotta do." I mean, it's you could just there's no intrinsic motivation for him. Yeah, that's exactly. the problem. But no. if you if you're playing the game, then you can't really have that attitude, you know, unless you're trying to get out. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's he kind of not going to go too much it. into it. But go on. He's kind of looking at it as like a the ends justify the means kind of guy rather than enjoying yeah. the journey kind of guy. Uh, I could guarantee you Malik Henry is hating this journey. Like can't see a scenario where he actually enjoys moving from school to school, leaving all of his friends literally every year since he was in middle school. So the way it was his dad's decision to go move to a private school like IMG Academy and leave all of his friends in California for Florida. So just Oh no. When we get to that season, we'll talk about it. But Malik Henry, he's someone who, in my opinion, has all the talent in the world. But there are some pretty significant problems are honestly kind of outside of Malik Henry's control. Um, unless he digs super deep, but I honestly can't even I don't want to expect that out of him because that's just extremely unrealistic, to be honest. So I hope I'm not sounding super harsh with that. It is what it is. <laughs> but um, do we do we have pro comparisons before uh, Simon transitions us? Y'all want to go first? William, do you have one? Frame-wise, I'd put him kind of like a Ryan Tannehill. Okay. Um, I don't know. Play-wise, he's, he's very interesting. He's very much still a college quarterback. As far as his play goes, but he's, I mean, he's very clean. Um, so I'm not really sure. It's hard. Okay. Or maybe not even but, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's bigger. Uh, who's the guy with Tennessee who just, just got. Mariota? Like, yeah, Mariota. Uh, who just got lost to Tennessee, actually. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about you, Cody? With, with his pocket manipulation. And uh, just thinking of quarterbacks who keep their eyes downfield, I was thinking of uh, Matt Ryan kind of yeah. guy who can make a lot of throws and also uses the pocket to his advantage and can move and like control it really well. Or, or like a, a Carson Wentz, you know, how he's able to move around the field, but he always like completes a throw. And I'd say that the only difference between him and these guys as his ceiling is they hang in or they throw into contact. You know what right. I'm saying? Like the contact is what separates him and these two guys. And, you know, these two guys, as far as like comparisons go, are also kind of justification for him not wanting contact with Carson Wentz. Never. I don't think he's ever played a full season. I mean, they've both oh. won the same number of uh, playoff games, right? No, Boy, Carson Wentz no. hasn't won a playoff game. That's Ryan went to the Super Bowl. I know. I'm. I'm saying Henry. Oh, oh my. <laughs> and my and bad, Carson yeah. Wentz. You know that's true. Stirring up some Carson Wentz controversy on the <laughs> Playmakers podcast, you. but yeah, those are those are the comparisons I had just for pocket manipulation more than anything. Go. Yeah, I actually Matt Ryan was mine actually. 
Because I feel yeah, like frame-wise, they're really very one. close. That's a really good one now that I'm thinking about it. It is. I always yeah. disrespect Matt Ryan. I, I should stop. <laughs> he's a good quarterback. Yeah, and he's, he's a, a good quarterback. Good yeah, that too. No, he for sure is a great guy. That's the difference between Matt Ryan and Malik Henry as well. But anyways, um, yeah, no, I agree though. Like they're, I feel like, I feel like um, their frames are very similar. Like if Malik Henry was to fill out a little bit more, he would probably look a bit more like Matt Ryan. Also, Matt Ryan used to be able to run the ball kind of a little, you know, a little bit as well. And Malik Henry could do the same. So like, pushing wise, I see a lot of similarities there as well. So yeah, Matt Ryan was what. I was going to say, uh, floor though, the floor is just not playing football at all. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Like there's, I kind of feel like there's no in between really because it, kind of what he, he could continue to play. I feel like it would just be him literally dragging his feet through life if he was to do that, you know? If he makes it to the league, then he will succeed. But I don't see him making it to the league. No, maybe the XFL, but that's even a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It would take a very specific XFL team to take him on. I mean, um, why would you commit to that if you don't enjoy it? It's true. Maybe if he thought, maybe if him or his father thinks that they could get him to the NFL, then maybe. But I don't know. His uh, his issues are very well documented, though. Not just because of. Well, okay. Not just because he has like two full seasons of last chance you on him, um, where they're literally following almost his every move for two seasons, but you know, since high school as well. So, anyways, if that is all, speaking of toxic players, we're going to talk about RJ Stewart in this next episode of Last Chance You, Laney College, coming up next. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We got episode four of Last Chance U from Laning College to talk about today. And we got a spicy subject today with this being the RJ episode of Focus. And we're not all sold on RJ as, you know, some of us, maybe not as a person and not as a player. First things first, just as a quick synopsis, you get to learn about RJ and his family history and it's pretty dysfunctional um seems to be a pretty common pattern amongst players and as far as other things to summarize from this episode Nau needs to do his schoolwork and there continues to be trouble in the quarterback room as dior continues to kind of struggle and accept his role as quarterback because he just doesn't want to do that especially with recruiters looking and uh, Rajon is playing up to his hype. But we'll get to all of those later. RJ, he's living with his aunt? Yeah, his aunt. His aunt and uncle, I'm uncle. assuming. And he's pretty alienated from them. Uh, just uh, doesn't really fit in. They're kind of like, I don't know, they read and write books and he plays football. Like, so they don't <laughs> share any common interests. And it's... It's a pretty interesting dynamic. Um, also, 
This episode features the most screen time of dogs up until this point, and they're, they're, they're some really funny dogs because they're just always making noise and they're kind of chunky and funny. So they're they're cute little dogs. Um, but RJ, um, Simon is going to hit on a bunch of points. He says he has 17 points to hit on for RJ. And I just want to say that, like, uh, RJ just, like, the, the thing that bothers me the most about him is he can't see past his own ego to recognize the faults that he makes, right? Like, he keeps making the, like, Coach Beam talks to him, hey, why do you go straight to the sideline on a go route where Rajon is just going to push you out of bounds and make a play, right? Like, you're not, that's not a matchup. That's not how you're going to win. And even after this talk, he does the exact same thing. And he doesn't make the play. So he just like, and during a game, he lined up on the wrong side of the field on a play call. And it's like, dude, you've been here for three years. And it's kind of the same feelings that I had towards Kenny, not knowing the playbook, but like, bro, you're a wide receiver. You have to know even less than a quarterback does. So what are you doing? You know? And then he doesn't understand why he's not on the field. And it's like, well, bro, maybe if you knew the playbook and knew what you were supposed to be doing and you did things correctly, then maybe you get the ball. And so he gets really mad and his commentary starts to over overrule like the whole filming of the game that they play against Butte. And you just hear him calling Coach Beam like an idiot and he's not a legend. He has no idea what they're doing and they'd be winning the football game if he was getting the ball more. And it's just like, I don't know. I he seems like kind of just like a guy who's whining about where he is but not doing anything to fix it. Mhm. And those those are like the biggest things to jump out to me. Simon, I'll let you take it away. And uh yeah, so we got on the prosecuting stand uh <laughs> coach V has been called up to uh attack the defense of uh rj stern that's his last name right stern yeah you got it so coach v what do you got to say okay uh so my first point is he comes from a privileged family in comparison to his teammates i'm just gonna be honest i'm gonna acknowledge that his family generationally is messed up like there's some terrible people in his family and it's a generational thing where you know like okay so like if a grandfather or whatever treats the the daughter wrong then that daughter passes it down to her kid and so on and so forth right and so i'll admit they're not perfect and they're pretty messed up you know and we'll get to that in a little bit also just fun fact i have actually read the book that rj's grandmother wrote mist of avalon yeah, i had to do it for mist of avalon as well that's a wonderful book, honestly. It is a wonderful book about Morgan Le Fay and all that stuff. It's I don't a know great how to book. read, so I haven't read that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but, really it, hey, okay. It's a good read, though. Like, you know, ch check it out if you haven't. Um, if you haven't. But I get it. You know, he comes from a kind of a tough family that have a history of treating each other like trash. There you go. I mean, I to, that. Quote, to quote him you know he would he would stay on the football field until 8 p.m 
because as soon as he walked through the door at home, his mom was going to yell at him. And he woke up at 5 a.m. to his mom yelling at him every day. Yes. That doesn't really... And his father beat him as a child, and his father left. That doesn't... I gotta maybe challenge your claim that he grew up in a... in a, uh, a more privileged household. Oh, hold on a second, because get it you know he did go through it but i'm saying a privileged household in terms of financially right because we look at dior or actually no let, we could go a little bit farther as well let's we could look at ronald ollie and what he had to grow up with you know we could look sure. yeah, and we could look at malik henry kind of what he had to grow up with as well to a degree you know and all these other juco players that we've done breakdowns of like we get it like honestly everyone on last chance you like i said in the last episode has had something bad happen to them or has had something not go their way so that's why they're here you know rj is not homeless yep. rj has fantastic meals i know y'all saw that well-cooked pap paprika chicken or whatever that they prepared you know for rj plus all the sides on there you know, you can't tell me that Dior is getting something like that every day. Um, no, I can't. Yeah, I'm not RJ, saying I'm not saying he's the most, you know, underprivileged. No, no. But you know, I don't think that. I don't know. I know that Dior is homeless now, but his home life is his mother loves him. You know. Yeah, but I don't. You know, I don't know in if Arkansas. Yeah, I don't know if RJ's ever had a, a mother figure who's loved him, ever. That's fair. I'll give him that. But still, you know, he's still, like, safety-wise, for sure, you know, and financially, he is secure. Yeah, you know? for and sure. If, yeah, and so I think that's something that, if I'm just going to be honest, <laughs> I don't know if maybe 60% of his teammates at Laney College have what RJ has right now. Sure. So, there you go. So, I'm just going to throw that out there, you know. I, I wanted to check his privilege. Like, obviously, bad things happen, and I get that. And RJ's tough for making it this far, for sure. You know, I'll give him that credit. But don't get it twisted. You have to check your privilege real quick. You know, so there you go. Um, Next thing, I feel like he has a really huge victim mindset. And this kind of has to do with his ego, like what Cody was saying. I feel like if, how should I say this? I feel like he definitely over sensationalizes his own life story to fit his narrative. So if there is anybody, and I mean anybody who has any criticism, who has any constructive feedback, who even poses a threat at Dior Walker Scott, then he feels like they're his enemy. He feels like that they're against him. They're trying to stop him from making it out. They're doubting him. They're doubters. They're haters. You know, they're haters. They're a bunch of haters is what he would probably say. And he brings that up over and over and over again. In the last episode, I said that he famously quoted, he famously said, I don't care if Coach Beam thinks I'm the number one, two, or three receiver, but I don't get the looks or catches that I should be getting or throws that I should be getting. So obviously, you do care because 
you're not getting those kind of looks but you can't even run a play right you can't even block right you can't even run a oh my god you can't even route a second or third look route right like you have one move you try to beat them with your speed and you can only run straight you can't run slants barely you could barely run whips i don't know i don't even know if he could run medium you know sized routes but he expects all of these things to just come to him because he is the hero of his own story uh newsflash you know this is a team game the same basketball the same tennis the same boxing you got 10 other dudes who are relying on you but consistently throughout this episode and throughout the season because it doesn't end here he consistently throws everyone under the bus he throws dior under the bus when in practice he tries to harass him and says uh i'm good he tries to harass him in practice and says hey you know uh were you supposed to throw it to me there like passive aggressively and coach bean gets on him and then rj famously says in quote right right here i have it right here he says i'm gonna tell him that i told dior to throw me that ball in reference to this next game and then he basically said that you know coach is gonna have to say sorry to him or whatever so he goes on and he and then in addition he also regarding dior throwing him under the bus again he also says you know that we need a quarterback that can throw the ball further than 30 yards that's extremely disrespectful in my opinion because i know for a fact if he told dior that dior would probably i don't know and here's and here's the other thing because rj ain't even communicating with anybody like here's this is part of his victim mindset. Like he feels like if he talks to anybody, they're going to try to criticize him, which is like his own worst. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like he just like, it's his biggest fear to get criticized almost like, like he continuously says like, well, if you tell coach like to his assistant, you know, position coach, he'll be like, well, if I tell you, then you will tell coach. And then we'll actually have to talk about it. Like, yeah, RJ, we're going to actually have to talk about it. This is a family. This isn't about you. This is a team culture. This is why I mentioned in the last episode how one person could ruin a team culture. How one person can make it feel like it's not a family. Because look, there's going to be tough things to talk about. Not everything in life is going to be easy to talk about, RJ. There are going to be tough things that you have to talk about and you got to make your opinions know. Don't just complain and... Don't just complain and go on about it and then not tell anybody so nobody knows how you actually feel. Cause that ain't gonna help nobody that's not productive because basically at the end of at the end of the day you just get frustrated and then you throw everybody under the bus so how are they supposed to trust you like i really doubt that he would ever tell dior or coach beam or to be honest anybody about what he says and that's a snake move to me because like I, we were talking about malik henry you know i said malik henry he will tell you to your face what he thinks and you know what hey sir i respect that you know you'll tell me you'll be honest with me RJ, he loves playing games, though. He go, he go talk about. Oh my God, it's getting me mad. <laughs> he's gonna talk about you behind your back and expect you to read his damn mind because he's the hero of his own story all the time. If you're saying anything against him, then you're the enemy. That's it. Like, okay, well, it's coach's fault. Oh, it's yours fault. Oh, it's Ryan's fault. The Ryan Mackey's fault. Oh, it's my OC's fault. Oh, it's Rajon's fault. Like, nah, bruh. You're the only dude that's RJ. Like, make it, make it, make it happen, bro. I'm tired of you bitching. I'm tired of you bitching. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm tired of it. You no, know, grow up. 
for once because there are other people out there with less than you who already have and could do a little bit more and i know it might be unfair to say that but i'm just being honest like you you feel like that everyone owes you everything because you've had a tough life and to be honest in life that's not how that works you got to work hard and you got to get out of your situation if you can't do that then you're going to be in the same situation. You're going to be in a victim mindset like, oh, this person's against me. This person wants me to fail. This person always plays favorites. This, blah, 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 blah. Like he, he always on that, you know? Also, real quick, before I move on, this is something that really stood out to me. And I'm going to, this is going to be a little break in my list of points so I could get y'all's opinions on it. But I'm going to say it real quick. So RJ's grandfather is a, is a pedophile just straight up he went to jail for it and yeah. rj's grandmother physically like intensely physically abused her daughter rj's mother so and her aunt what, i think it's implied and and the aunt as well but this is what her aunt said in reference to her whole family well actually no i think it was in reference to i want to say it was her mother or something like that but she said and this is the, a direct quote that, you know, a lot, like a lot of, and she was saying that a lot of bad things were happening. You know, there was a lot of controversy around her family. And then she said, I feel like instead of focusing on those bad things, we should be honoring people despite their flaws. And so I wrote down, this is a mindset passed down to RJ because I'm going to be real with y'all, you know, and y'all know this pedophilia isn't cool. I don't care what you did with your life you doing that stuff you're going to hell and that's it keep that in there like you're going to hell and that's it you know and you deserve to go to jail and be in jail forever and i hope the worst comes to you to be honest no hashtag save our children that will be in our uh, little description here as well you know but that's not cool and so the fact that her fam that rj's family is saying that you know despite their flaws we should still honor their their writing or whatever you know that doesn't sit well with me at all and I want to see how y'all feel about that before I go any farther, real quick. Cancel time, Cody. Cancel time, indeed. Watch what you say. What? No, I'm saying cancel. <laughs> I'm saying cancel the Stearns, bro. That's not right. Like, like, or they're not the Stearns. They're the other side of the family. But still, like, it's it's just like. It's really hard to take someone seriously who's like, yeah, somebody I know did this really horrible thing, but they also, like, wrote a book. Like, bro, what yeah. do you mean? Like, you can still hold people accountable for things that they did, even if they did other stuff, right? Like, yeah. turning a blind eye to that is... I have a huge problem with that, you know? Because, like, okay, like, like, this is obviously not as not anywhere near extreme as an example right but like i'm a beatles fan okay but for me to just be like yeah john lennon did like horrible things and he's a really cruddy person he's really abusive and this and that but like he made some really good music like no that's not your job to defend something bad that someone did because they did other things right that you're just she justified pedophilia and physical slash sexual abuse with that statement you know she's like well if all writers were held accountable for for everything like yes they should be held accountable like 
Ugh, you, you, I'm sorry, but... I think, you, I think you guys might honestly be taking the quotes out of context. And re- misremembering them. I I don't know. Like, uh, I, I literally watched it like a couple hours said it ago. Right after the whole pedophilia thing was brought up. Yeah. Yeah, and as a... I mean, as a... Uh, she was probably a victim of pedophilia as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what am I trying to say? I don't think the quote was all writers, you know, if we held all writers accountable, there'd be no writers. I, the quote was, if only good people could be writers, we'd have no writers, or something like that. That's still not right. Still, though. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not trying, in to, context, I'm not in trying context. to apologize for her, but I'm just trying to get the quote right, right? right? And I'm trying but to... Right. Um, let's not, like, let's not misrepresent what she's saying, because she's saying a very specific thing, and that needs to be held accountable essentially right she that is fair dude, it, but it like, comes off as context, like it's okay that writers are bad people yeah like i i get i kind of <laughs> i get what you're saying liam but like in the context of what they were framing it it definitely sounded like she was kind of brushing it off she did say that we should be honoring people despite their flaws in reference like flaws as in in reference to how her no oh wait how her parents were yeah rj's grandparents i'm not sure if she was saying that in regards to like both her parents because i felt like she only really had damning quotes for her father who was the pedophile right um whereas she was maybe trying to be apologetic for her mother who is not a pedophile but let it happen but condones pedophilia which is extremely awful right yeah. Um, and we need to acknowledge that as well. But at least for her own specific personal actions, was only a physical abuser. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry, but this is an L, Liam. Like, bro, Here, wait, you really Liam, can't defend I'm this not, woman, I'm bro. I'm not trying to defend it. Jesus. Here, let, let me reframe it real quick. Liam, I, I get what you're saying for sure. Uh, like, I, okay. I'll take the second to slightly uncrucify her and whatnot but i'm just trying to be like very specific about what she's saying you're right and we should be we should be detail oriented with this because this is a this is a sense oh my god this is a sensitive subject we should be but even with the and i and i do understand what you're saying for sure but even with it like maybe it's just how the you know the documentary guys framed it there's a very at least in my opinion i think cody could agree as well there's a very strong um what's the word not assumption uh there's a very strong implication yes inference of what she was referring to because it kind of seemed like she she came off as a little defensive of her family's legacy you know yeah and that I can't abide by because the family's right. legacy, right? There might be a good thing there. There might be like a, a wonderful book, which I agree is wonderful. And I've read it, it is, myself yeah. and it's a beautiful book and right. very empowering to women in the time. Um, but the, the overall legacy is tainted and there's nothing that can untaint it, right? There's nothing that can undo the book 
but there's nothing that can untaint what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, okay, so, so we're on the same page with that, I think. Liam. Yeah, I'm just trying to be very specific about what was said. That's all. Right. Okay, I'm not. I'm not, tr- I'm not defending it at all. Obviously, yeah. Okay, Cody, go on though. Huh? Go on. Did you have more to add, or? I mean, not really. Um, okay. I, I like. It's just like de- be careful on how you're defending. Like, yeah, and I'm trying to be. Acts of. I'm not defending it. No, well, I'm talking about her. You oh, know, okay. like, yeah. Like you can't say. You know. Uh, look, like now's not the time to talk about like it being good for the writing community when this subject is specifically being brought up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Timing is everything, and like when the the frame when the subject is of your family's bad history especially in the realm of pedophilia and physical slash sexual abuse that is not the time to defend your family exactly that is that is a time to hold them accountable and only hold them accountable yeah in my opinion i i think that's not too radical Oh, it's not. I don't think, um, I think no. you're right. No. no, I mean, honestly, it's not. Uh, I, I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on it because that kind of thinking is very twisted, I would say. Um, here, one sec. It, it's probably honestly from a, uh, from a, like a Stockholm Syndrome yes. style of thought. Yes. No, I mean, absolutely. That's what I was thinking and. I was thinking there are kind of a couple parallels in there with RJ himself because the way she's coming off of, she's like really defending her family's like legacy, you know? She's really defending it, like no matter what. And with RJ, I feel like he, that's kind of some selfish thinking that is passed down to RJ as well, right? Because he i feel like believes that same thing like we should be honoring people despite their flaws so rj probably knows he's a he's a jerk and like he throws everybody under the bus and he's not accountable or he may have some sort of idea like that but he still believes that no matter what he is still the hero of this thing just like how his grandmother was kind of the hero to well kind of at the time sort of to the feminist movement as well so I feel like RJ might be carrying that kind of same mindset of like, look, I, I know I'm wrong to a degree, but also I'm always right. And if you say I'm wrong, then you're the enemy. You're the one that's t- trying to tarnish not only my legacy, but my family's legacy. And that means something to him. Sure. If you, are not, it up. if you are not with me, then you are my enemy. Oh my God. Yes. In the words of Anakin Skywalker. In the yes. wise words of Anakin Skywalker. No, RJ's the Sith. <laughs> well, barely. But... He only deals in absolutes. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah, but Sith actually win things at times, too, though. So... Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, he does... <laughs> 
<laughs> Come on, Cody, let's go. <laughs> Bro, you can't just hit me with... You just handed RJ two L's into one. Not two L's. You hit him with an L squared, bro. Oh. So one, two, pow, pow. <laughs> okay, keep okay. going. Keep going. <laughs> I, I, do have, I will have some things to add on after at the end of this, though. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, okay, let's move on. So, you know, he seeks a lot of attention, you know, he, he feels like he's the hero of his own story, right? I think a lot of people do that in general, but he specifically feels like uh, if he's a hero, then everyone else is the villain. That's not with him. So there we go. Moving forward, though, Cody, you did mention that he was doing the wrong thing. Not only, oh, hold on, let me think, like twice in this episode? Yes. After being told what to do, yes. like the correct thing to do. Yes, you're right. So, if this is my second time watching it, so this is, I had to pay attention, but this is actually something that Coach Beam told him in the very first episode at the beginning of the season. RJ, like, hey, you're running your routes a little bit too wide. Like, you know, be disciplined, right? Like, use leverage, all that stuff, right? And so. This is the second or so episode. What, what what game is this? This is the fifth game of the season they're entering into. Yeah. RJ still doesn't know what to do. Opponent. Yeah. yeah, the fifth game against a tough team, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Fifth, the fifth game against a tough team, and RJ's still doing the same thing he did in the preseason. Yeah, you serious? Like, are you actually serious? Like, this dude keeps. Like he keeps saying he deserves to he deserves in quotation marks to be getting looks to be getting throws to be getting all that but you can't even fix something that coach beam like to his you know gonna give him some credit to his credit has been patient with him and has probably been telling him every single week for the last six or seven weeks so two months almost what to do he still does the same wrong thing over and over again and then he still feels like that he's getting hated on what is that what do you mean so that's that um let's see whenever i brought this up already whenever his coaches try to level with him and talk to him he just says i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about it like like a toddler almost like i don't want to talk about it you know and he uses so many of his excuse he uses just in general so many excuses to validate that everybody that doesn't give him all the praise in the world is his enemy that's what i wrote down while i was saying that he, he just doesn't want to talk about it you know but make everyone else the enemy though without giving them a chance to like talk to him and i'm go i'm just gonna be straight up honest if rj was at emcc last chance he was if RJ was at EMCC, if he was at Indy, he would not even make the roster. I'm telling you right now. Would not. Jason Brown, he's a real one. I'll tell you what. He's a real one. And he has some patience as well. Uh, RJ would not even be able to play a game. That kind of attitude. But there you go. With Buddy Stevens, he wouldn't even be able to walk on. There you go. Because of that attitude. You know, like, how, how are you going to continue to complain never actually tell the person you're complaining about what the problem is yeah it's problematic to me yeah and that's toxic you know because at least malik henry he was toxic but at least he let everybody know so that 
his head coach, Jason Brown, and him could talk it through. And you'll see in that last season that they do talk through a lot of issues and that, you know, they are kind of close to a degree. Like, like Jason Brown stuck with Malik Henry and worked with him and did everything he could with him because he believed in him. And he believed that this dude could be great because he keeps it real with him. RJ doesn't keep it real with anybody, not even himself, to be honest. So how could you coach somebody like that who you don't even really know? That's the vibe I'm getting, to be honest. So there's that. About the whole sideline, he was always complaining. You know, throws the whole offense under the bus, saying defense is playing great, but we're playing like trash. He, as in everybody else, is playing like trash with RJ. Uh, there's some disrespectful things towards Coach Beam and his legacy just because it's not working out for RJ. Does not understand the situation that or RJ, sorry, RJ does not understand the situation that he's in with their fourth or fifth string quarterback, but he expects Dior to be playing like Patrick Mahomes for some reason. Um well, because he thinks he should be playing quarterback. <clears throat> which yeah, is a whole but, another thing. Oh, he can't play quarterback. I'll tell you right now. He doesn't even know how to do a read option. So saw that in practice. Like they yeah. yelled at him because he didn't know how to read the tackle right during a midline read option. So there you go. I could read a read option better than RJ Stern right now. Anyways, moving forward. Uh, sorry, I'm getting to the end of my notes. I kind of want to get it done because I, I feel real hateful right now. But and the is scrambling t- throughout this whole game. RJ can't even block. Like he'll kind of run his receiver off. But he's not going to go the extra mile or anything to like protect Dior at all. There are a couple of times where RJ is just watching Dior get laid out by like four guys with one of them being RJ's guy. So that happens a lot. Um, there might be some malice behind there as well. I don't want to assume things, but you know, he hasn't shown me any difference. So there you go. And number 17, he's just weak minded. I just don't think he's cut out for this um, for anything, honestly. Uh, at least football wise at juco level at college like just go be real right here was like i get it like he has some talent but i would not want him on my team i don't care how good he is i think you know just let him be and you could probably find some sophomore to be honest any of my middle schoolers any of my sixth graders could probably act better and with more sportsmanship and be a real one than rj stern that's the end of my list. Y'all could go on. <laughs> say anything else you want. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, um, while, you know, RJ hasn't financially been through as much, I don't think it's really fair to compare suffering and, like, I guess invalidate it to a degree, which whether that was your intention or not, that's kind of what it is when when you're saying like not as much right because think of it from like a personal perspective right i could be like man i'm having a really bad day and somebody could be like well at least you're not like a child soldier right like and so i think that there's some of the other things that you did to bring up like you know his more of his like lack of accountability i think that's more valid than invalidating his upbringing and situation because you know, just because you've, and this is another thing, just because you've had it rough doesn't give you permission to be a bad person, right? Right. So saying yeah. it like that, I think is a bit more fair and forward thinking and 
uh, just more conscious. That that was the one thought I had from your guys' conversation a bit earlier in the episode. But yeah, more addressing his reactions to the situation rather than the situation itself, I think is a bit more fair. You feel me? No, yeah. Look, I get it. I wasn't trying to do that. Yeah, I, honestly, I know. That, I know. Yeah, because that doesn't have anything to do with how he acts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are other people that still know how to act like a good, decent person despite things that happen. Because either way, in life, and this goes for everyone, things are going to happen. Things are just not going to go your way. And you could try your best. You could do everything you can to prevent it. But sometimes things just don't happen the way you want it to okay and like i get that you know but that doesn't mean that you could act like us entitled self-entitled a selfish a toxic unreal person in any environment like none of that I, there's no real real relation to you know that you know <clears throat> Like, I get it. Some people go through things and they take on personality traits and stuff like that. And that's reactionary for sure. You know, but and I'm not comparing. I'm just saying, like, you could go through bad things and still be a half decent person. Yeah, no. Sure. And, and I definitely get that. It's just uh, some of the ways that it was phrased, you know, as far sure. as like comparing the situations, more the situations than the reactions. But when you started to talk about the reactions, that's more spot on. So, yeah. I got you there. Um, but I will pass it over to Liam because Liam did have a couple of points that I thought were pretty good last night while watching the episode. That Just things to consider. Um, I'm still not an RJ fan, and I think that he needs to hold himself more accountable, and he has a lot of growing up to do. But, yeah. Liam, you, you go ahead. Yeah, and I, I ultimately agree completely that he, he has a lot of growing up to do and a lot more to hold himself accountable. Um, I think that RJ is a man of two minds, ultimately. Um, I know you guys are saying that he feels like everybody's against him. He feels like everybody's a hater, but he, he at the same time, he does compliment his teammates. He does like try and put it on himself, even though his actions don't say that, you know? his his words are still they're very like towing the line like he understands that what he feels is wrong and he he's he's saying that he doesn't you know he's he's saying that yeah I'm, i might be receiver two or i might not be the i feel like i'm the best receiver but you know if this other guy's getting looks that's fine just you know i want the i want to get the ball too Right, which which is I think a justified response. Obviously, you should have the ideal of playing as a team. You know, even if you're gonna only block as a wide receiver that entire game, that's what you should do, and you should you know play your heart out and do it with everything that you got. Um, but I think that ultimately, probably football isn't for him. I think he's shown some artistic talent and maybe needs to explore something that's more personal and more uh, releasing as far as the trauma that he's been through rather than football at this rate. Because I think football is just becoming another trauma for him. And honestly, I, 
I don't blame Coach Beam for it, but I think Coach Beam is playing into the, the trauma that RJ has, and not purposefully, but that's just what is happening. RJ is somebody who's been neglected his entire life. And from his own quotation, he's been yelled at uh, from 5 a.m. when he wakes up to 8 p.m. when he gets home. And, he, you know, he's currently living with an aunt, aunt, an aunt and uncle who maybe they love him, maybe they care for him, but they don't know how to show that. And he feels alienated and isolated from them. And he doesn't know how to show them his love. And he says, as soon as I get home, I'm in my room. I'm studying. You know, I'm watching film. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. It <laughs> doesn't show if he is because, he's, you know, his play on the field isn't great. Um, but he, he's, he's alone. He's a loner. And he doesn't really have anybody on his side. And I think the only person on his side in the entire show is his wide receivers coach. And Coach Beam yells at him, right? And I feel like he's probably getting flashbacks to his mom when Coach Beam yells at him every time he shows up to practice and every time he does something wrong. And so even though he needs to be doing the right things, he probably is getting into this mentality of, I'm doing everything wrong, or I feel like I'm doing some things right, but he he wants to look at the bright side, right? He wants to look at the good things that he's doing rather than looking at the bad things that he's doing. And I think he needs a gentler hand than Coach Beam. Not to criticize Coach Beam, because I think Coach Beam is great. But I think he needs a gentler hand than he's going to get in football. And um, he's probably just not cut out for football. But at the same time, I don't think football's cut out for him right now for what he needs. And I think that the only way that he's going to get better is by addressing his trauma and addressing his own misgivings, right? But also by people believing in him. Nobody believes in him on that team. And that's, yes, mainly probably because of his own fault, right? But it's a it's a vicious cycle. It's like it, as soon as somebody starts yelling at him, as soon as somebody starts not believing in him because of his play, because maybe he gets lazy, maybe he gets on the team and he does really well at first, and he, you know, he gets excited, and then he he gets lazy probably and stops really studying and going deep into it, and then they stop believing in him, and it creates a self-fulfilled prophecy of nobody believes in me, and now you know I'm just getting yelled at every day, and now I want out, you know, and I feel like I can do so much more because I have done so much more in the past. But I'm not getting the chances, and nobody believes in me, and I'm starting to hate this. It's probably what he's thinking. You know, he's probably starting to resent coming to coming to work out every day and coming to practice every day and coming to uh, film study every day just to get yelled at every day. And to be honest, he's probably, I don't know, he says he loves football, but he's probably at home going man, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to practice, you know, waiting till the last second before you can go to practice. I mean, I don't know. I, like, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like you're filling in a lot of blanks that aren't provided by RJ himself, you know, especially when we're getting an inside look 
to what's going on. And then I think another thing to point out is Coach Beam has also said, like, RJ, I'm hard on you because I know you can do so much better. For sure. And so, like, selective hearing is like a personal thing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think that's something to consider in this whole dynamic. And just like, you know, once again, we've talked about it on previous film breakdowns, but accountability is something that has to be taught first. You know what I'm saying? And so... And he doesn't have accountability at this point. No. No, he doesn't. He has, like, zero accountability. And I think that if he learned accountability, that he would he would develop so much faster but he's kind of like almost like in arrested development as far as like his football career is right now like yeah, right I, now I, he's just a good athlete he's not a football I, player and i think he's probably in arrested development as far as his own personal growth as a human being as well um that's just what i'm trying to highlight you know i think there's more to it than we're probably seeing and i don't think he's comfortable telling what he's feeling because, I mean, in his past, who's listened? Who's cared? Who's not used it as fuel for the fire? You know? Yeah. Maybe nobody. And that's that's a really vicious thing. And yes, he's not, he needs to grow above it as, a, he, as, his, as himself. But it's hard to do that on your own. And he's probably not going to get the chance. I, I, we haven't watched any further, so at this point, we, we're not actually spoiling it. But I don't think he's going to get the chance to to grow. Um, maybe he doesn't deserve it at this point, right? But that the, regardless, I don't think the chance is going to show up. Simon, you have any thoughts? Um. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying. Um. I'll here. I'll I'll address it. So. You, you did say that he is giving his, you know, teammates or whoever compliments and stuff. You know, that's cool. But, like, I really do wonder how genuine those things are. It's a yeah. crooked smile of sorts. Yeah. Because, like, I'll just be real with y'all. Like, I've had plenty of people give me comments in person and then go behind my back and say a bunch of racist stuff or, or whatever, you know. And that's that's And then they, they'll never address it. You know, they'll never address it. That's the crazy part. But they'll only say compliments to my face as long as it, like, you know, benefits them to a degree. So I'm just going to be honest. Like, I really don't know how um, how genuine any of those compliments are. So that's a trust issue right off the bat. We don't really know the real RJ Stern at this point. Like the, the closest that we got to, to the real RJ Stern was him showing us his journal of drawings. See, but I don't know because this is a documentary, right? So like we are literally seeing him on the sideline, like acting the way he did. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. Like Coach Beam has given RJ a lot. Let's not get it twisted. Coach Beam was the one who told RJ to take his championship ring last season and you know rj got hurt and coach beam was the one who affirmed him and said hey you know like you're still a big part of this team like you help get these receivers ready to make this championship run like you're a big deal and you matter to me yeah that's right I, i'd forgotten about that part yeah and I so did too. shoot <laughs> yeah, so the fact that 
Coach Beam did all of that last year. And and honestly, I do feel like he supported RJ because, you know, season-ending injuries aren't easy, but he supported RJ and was like, hey, like, you deserve this. Like, you deserve all of it, you know, because you were a huge part of it. I feel like that shows as much care as there could be in Coach Beam and RJ at this point right now. So I'm just like, okay, so what coach beam did to you but all you ever do almost like well not actually not all okay so this isn't all he ever does because to coach beam's face he'll say yes sir yes sir like he'll be polite but behind coach beam's face it's very interesting how rj does not respect him at all or it seems like he doesn't respect him despite coach beam being probably one of the only people in his life that has supported him and that has continued to want the best for him by rj like having negative feelings towards him sure so one thing it about feels that. like it's a one-sided thing sorry I'll, I'll let you finish it a little bit but it does oh, for me feel like it's a one-sided thing coach beam is pouring in a lot into rj but rj is just not well, first off he's not communicating so he needs to work on that and everybody like you got to be a good communicator in life that's just how that goes and he's just not like showing any sorts of empathy back to coach beam despite coach being being coach beam being in a difficult spot losing all not having really any quarterbacks having the pressure of the season already on him because he knows that if this team does not put out a positive you know uh win loss record then most of these kids are never good they're not going to be able to continue to go to college or continue a career or go anywhere else yeah, for sure. And that's a lot of pressure on Coach Beam. Yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, all of us respect that pretty well. Yeah, um, for sure. I don't know. The, the thing about it is you don't, you don't get to choose how your uh, support is taken. You know, you don't get to choose how your, how your support is reacted to. Even that's if fair. it's, even if it's, you know, full on love. Um, and I think that Coach Beam probably understands that but sometimes there's no helping it and just you know if your method of communication isn't in line with the other person's method of communication if they even have a method of communication i'm not sure if rj even has a method of communication at this point right um you know it's it's hard though yeah and it sucks because RJ is ultimately responsible for himself and ultimately responsible for, you know, what he makes of himself in this world. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there is always more to it than we than we see. That's fair. It's no, definitely I mean, not like, black and white. Right. right. Yeah, it's not. Um, but this is where it, how it's framed, at least to me. Uh, yeah. And I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't think RJ is fit football, not because of, you know, Okay, yeah, kind of because of all the attitude issues, but also I just think I just think like he has way more issues outside of football to deal with. Because if he can't like play a game, like be civil in that, I'm just gonna be real. Like, I don't know how that's gonna look like when he has a job. Because as far as we know right now, he hasn't have he hasn't ever had a job or like hold down a career type of thing so i do wish the best for him and i want him to do what makes him happy i just think with football like you do too 
you do to a degree have to have tough skin and like no i know football culture like it can be a little tough and toxic for sure right but like there's definitely a base level where you do have to have some tough skin like you gotta be coachable like you gotta be able to accept like criticism if you can't then how are you of any value to the team no, exactly like, and, and rj is, is not ready to accept criticism right now at exactly. all exactly yeah right yeah so i don't know i think you know therapy would probably be a good deal i think having because they haven't showed this yet but they will but having a support system that doesn't enable him would be probably a good step as well because his support system definitely enables him and whatnot because rj I've been saying tells a different story than how things actually go a lot of the time, at least from what we can see. And now we obviously we can't know for sure, but from what we can see, like RJ definitely bends the truth just a little bit sometimes over exaggerating certain situations. So I think just having a system where he isn't being enabled uh, would be good for him as well. So I completely agree. And to be fair, we've only watched like three episodes, four episodes. This is the third fourth 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 yeah uh so i don't know you know i could watch an episode tomorrow and be like archie's a bastard man i hate him i hate his guts you know yeah yeah no <laughs> so, for sure yeah i just i don't know i'm i just don't think football's for him you know but, yeah and i completely agree yeah and it does right. like it does make me feel some sort of way too because rj's situation like i'm talking on the field i mean like on the field like it's a good situation to be in like you're a talented dude the only other guy who might be a little bit more talented than you dior is now playing quarterback so really you should be only you should be his sole target you know and then you've had coaches who have done their best to prove that you know they trust you and that they're invested in you and you know this is a team coming off a national or sorry coming off a state championship so like really does make me think like well what if other people or what if the majority of other you know football players had the same you know, opportunity on the field as rj right did right now because right. coach beam like i'm just gonna be real like he is kind of one of a kind type of coach like i think buddy stevens and jason brown and the other you know last chance use are more um representative of most football coaches honestly and I don't see RJ even being able to make either of those coaches' teams. Because I feel like Coach Beam has given him as much grace as a football coach, at least on the Juco level, possibly could. Like I said, you know, it is it could be framed a certain way. So there you go. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and push the gas on this because we've been on this topic for a while. And there's just a couple other things that I think need to be discussed. Um, one thing that I wrote down is, uh, Nau needs to be watched or monitored very closely. He plagiarized in this episode and got an F on a paper. And we've talked about how he's not really used to school. So somebody just needs to keep a close eye on him and kind of stay on his butt about it. And coach beam is basically at wit's end, which is tough because beam even said that Nau could potentially be a D one product. And so he has a lot to balance and figure out. And then I just want to say uh, that last game against Butte was rough. Um, they really need a real quarterback to come back, if that yeah. makes sense. 
So they they really need that. And uh, Rajon stepped it up ever since getting like called out in that meeting in the last episode. He's playing like a top cornerback in the nation once again and is almost like a brand new player from the first two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, do y'all see now what I'm saying, though, with Dior like playing not as well as he did in the first game, knowing that you know, his family, that his dad is around? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a sad fact, but yeah you're right cody they do need a they need either ryan or the other one i don't even know his name not kenny carson carson yeah carson jarrett to come back um because i just yeah i just don't know I, I don't think dior could do this any more longer just being honest so yeah. uh yeah rajon's playing great i mean i told y'all <laughs> he's turning it up that goal line pick though oh my god beautiful i don't know man that was, yeah, a it was beautiful yeah i don't know how he did that but it was a whole it was a whole play sure now that's in the highlight reels so that said all i needed to know about rajon talent wise right there <clears throat> that's fair. yeah if i didn't you know if i didn't believe him in sooner and then with new uh yeah he does need someone to keep an eye on him i think Okay, so I'm just going to throw this out there. I do appreciate how he didn't make any excuses and how he just said, yes, like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I know, like, I messed up and he just accepted it. And he didn't like, like, after that, at least it seemed like he didn't have any, like, sort of malice towards his teacher or Coach Beam. You know, like, he just accepted, like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, like, I messed up. This is how I'm going to make up for it. And then he did it. So I could appreciate that because there are certain people that don't have that quality. Also, in general, that's just a hard thing to do, to just say you're wrong. So uh, that's a sign of maturity for Nu, who's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess like maturity's definitely been a little bit of a question mark with him at times. Yeah, I think he's just kind of lost. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? I mean, Beam brought up a good point. If Nu does really well this football season... And he gets an offer to go. What does he do? You know what I'm saying? Especially if it's sure. not in California. How is he supposed to balance that? Because they're living with in-laws, right? So, like, they said that they try and contribute some to rent, but rent isn't, like, one of their bills, right? Versus, oh. like, if he gets an offer out of state and he really does have to do football full-time and she would have to up... They'd be uprooted entirely, you know? So... Yeah. All right. Coach Beam actually made a really good point. Know about him maybe not valuing football as much and football maybe being the third on his priority list you know, behind family and all you know his education and all that stuff you know he that's okay his education up a few notches though yeah that's true what were you saying liam i said what's behind football i would say his education is behind football yeah right yeah, now we'll see but i believe that he values education because obviously like he i think right now like he's a little pressed you know like he's feeling kind of like the pressure between football and like the season not going the way it is and then you know having his kids and sometimes missing class because he does have his kids which is a big deal like it's something to keep an eye on as the season goes on you know like how much stress there is too i just feel like he's kind of like hiding it to a degree as well you know like mm -hmm. 
And so, like, I saw him cheating with the rough draft as a way for him to, like, you know, like, just, like, okay, here, I'm a teacher, so I don't condone cheating, but, you know, sometimes there are just some shortcuts of life that give you temporary, temporary, um, belief, I guess, you know, and so for him to just turn in the paper that his friend had for him it was easy because he didn't have to spend time on it he didn't have to take that away from studying for football or you know raising his children or all some of the other classes that he had to do you know it was just one of those things he could check off the list and it was a mistake and i don't condone it but in his like that's how he saw it you know and he realizes he realizes that you know shortcuts like that aren't gonna cut it if he wants to go far and so i do think he values his education but like he values it in a way where he values the opportunities the different career opportunities that are going to come with him getting a higher level education Does that makes sense for sure sweet uh yeah i don't think i have anything else your he had a little nice 30 yard run um that was cool also found out finally that playing quarterback might hurt his recruitment which i guess he didn't figure out before so yeah it'd be better for literally everyone the sooner carson gets back and it sounds like ryan is pretty close to being back so yeah uh, yeah well they said ryan would come back after the bye or trying to come back yeah. So, yeah but that's all i gotta say for this episode Liam, do you have any other uh, comments or remarks on the rest of episode four? Man, what a bad friend to offer new uh, your your own paper. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I, know I didn't think about like, that, but that's a good point. That's I know, I know it's like done in good intentions, but what a thing to do to put somebody in that position where like they they feel like they can accept it. You know what I mean? But it's not something that you can ever accept. It's true. Right in front of the documentary cameras, too. I know. That like, dude really ratted himself out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That I guy remember should be, watching uh, it. He oh. should be put in jail. No, he should be, uh, he should be <laughs> suspended as well. Or, you know, in trouble as well. Yeah. 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 We saw a lot of uh, trouble this week with three or two players suspended, two cut from the team, and one player suspended for one half in the game. So right. we'll see how that discipline and that big loss to Butte treats us going forward. Yep. Yeah. Oh, real quick. It also kind of bothered me. Those corners were like, you don't need you. Like when coach said, like coach shouldn't have said that to them. He should not have said that. But at the same time, like, dude, hold up. Like if I were those corners, like, hold up. Like, don't act like you didn't just fail your entire team though by not following a simple rule though because you did there's a reason why you're sitting out of suspension to be honest you could be cut from the team so no count your blessings yeah i i don't know i i talked to liam about this during the episode my philosophy would not have players suspended for missing a team bus but you know that the, they know it's a rule but also he should not have said that though i actually yeah, am he shouldn't I'm, have said that. I'm on the player's side that's i mean simon as a teacher like you know it's not right to be like i don't need you in the classroom you know what i'm saying so like i feel like it's kind of the same thing honestly well the thing is this is college too you know like like i, I get what you're saying but like i teach middle school and 
this is college like i mean these obviously, are I these never are still say developing that. these are still kids though you know in like the sense that they're not like adults really yeah but i mean I... also at the same time you got to take into consideration who's technically responsible for them in these situations right i mean they're, what do you mean? they're responsible for themselves but like like yeah. you you don't say that as a coach you don't say i don't need you unlike any level really i don't think but maybe that's just my philosophy yeah i agree I, that's I'm, a very strong statement you know? yeah it is i don't I'm, need you like damn i'm talking about um like getting on the bus you know yeah see but the thing is i kind of feel like it's not just that as well like I, here i'm not gonna throw this out there as part of my argument argument i'm just saying like he didn't exactly say it was just because they missed the bus you know, like i felt like there might have been some other things implied if two other guys got cut yeah that's so what, that's what i was trying to say it's like it well it's probably not just getting on the bus not getting on the bus it's like you're in a different city why did you not get on the bus to go back what were your plans after also it was i mean i don't know which one it was but like they didn't exactly say it was them not getting on the bus after the game because like he was talking to timmy and he said that because timmy apparently missed the bus to the game and then drove there himself or something weird like that or he oh, caught a ride with a booster or something there or something weird like that so i don't know i just look like i get it like it's not the right thing to say but stuff both of these players are second and third year players so both of them are like 20 to 21 you know at some point someone you know you got to take accountability um i'm just gonna be honest like if two other guys got cut and you didn't get cut i'm just gonna be real the reason you probably didn't get reason you probably didn't get cut is because you're talented and you know you mean something to the team so you know that you know you mean something to the team obviously like it doesn't justify what he said but it also means that coach beam most definitely had it in his power to cut you and end your career there and you could have went to any other cali juco that was probably farther away so like i'm just saying you know like i don't condone condone it at the same time it's not just about the players need to understand that they not only screwed themselves but they messed with pretty much the entire team because they did end up losing especially because they were saying over and over again that this team butte was a physical team so if they're physical then you need all the bodies you could get so True. you know that's just my i got my opinion on it fair enough <clears throat> wrong. but I believe that does it for this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. I have been Cody Stoffer. Oh, I'm Simon Voyanos. And I was Liam Hughes. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <clears throat> Anchor, Google Podcasts, and make sure to share it with your friends. Once again, if you have any film that you want, review of athletes in sports specifically high school or the amateur level including juco send it in we will review it and think about it thank you so much for joining us have a good one till next time peace